you have the majority of the workers there that want to unionize. It's it's for a reason. It is not easy to want to organize your workers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and so when people want to organize their workers, people should listen. Listen to what's going on. If management listened to their workers, um, they will saw, see that they can solve a lot of problems in the workplace. Because for me, I care about, do you care about workers? And are you going to do what you say you're going to do? Hello, my name is Matt Deemer, and this is Cuyahoga Today, brought to you by the Cuyahoga County Democratic Party. If you could, do us a favor. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please click the five-star rating and leave us a nice comment. It helps people find this show and give them confidence when they click on it. If you have any questions or comments for me or the guests, you can reach out to M-D-I-E-M-E-R at kydem.com. That's M-Demer at C-U-Y-D-E-M.com. And now without further ado, let's get straight into our conversation in honor of Labor Day. Enjoy. Marquise Brown, good to see you, sir. You too, man. It's been a while. It has, it has been a while. It has been a while. You are the Cleveland Regional Director of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, better known as AFSCME. Yes, sir. And thanks for coming on. You, My uh, pleasure. Labor Day is coming up. It is. It's a good time to be talking to you. It's always a good time to be talking to you. <laughs> talking, about, talking about unions and the work that we do and you know fighting for workers and for the middle class. 100%. So what is a union, sir? I look at a union as a, uh, a lot of people, a lot of my members come to me and say, well, the union hasn't done this and the union has done this. And I look at them and say, the union is all the people, right? So it's a collective group of people coming together for the greater good um, of workers. Um, and so I try to make sure that people understand that is not just some nebulous organization. It is the actual people coming together. Mm. And what do you mean by the people coming together? The people coming together to do what? It depends on what it is they're looking to do. Like I look at unions as, you know, our sole purpose is to um, help uh, establish safety in the workplace, but also look at how do we um, negotiate benefits in terms of conditions of employment. Mm-hmm. So depending on what the issue is, is folks coming together in solidarity to making sure whether it's higher pay, whether it is safety on the job, well, whether it's holding the boss accountable for their actions or their inactions, but it's just the fo- the body, the people coming together to get some kind of collective action um, done or and also enforcing their contract, right? It doesn't make sense for us to negotiate these contracts if we're not going to enforce them every single day. Interesting, interesting. So before we get into contract enforcement yeah. and all that stuff, tell me about Ask Me. Tell me about what you do there. Yeah, so... You know, as you said, AFSCME is the American Federation of State, County, Municipal uh, Employees. And it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful, <laughs> you know, better known as AFSCME or just the green machine. Uh, and so what we do, um, AFSCME, it's, I mean, in the name is what we, we represent, mostly public sector uh, employees. We're the largest public sector union in the country. Hmm. Um, How many? Uh, about 1.3 million Holy people, smokes. you know, nationwide, and in Ohio with the three different affiliates, it's it's all it's close to um, 100,000. Wow. Okay. So, um, what is so? What do we do at AFSCME? Um, in in the Cleveland region, most of my members, almost all my members, are public employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do not have any private sector employees. So, when you look at you know government, whether it's the city of Cleveland, whether it's the county. Um, Metro Health Hospital, um, just different, you know, public employers where we represent, you know, thousands of members on um, terms and condition of employment and benefits as well. 
Cool. So you said Metro. Who else do you have? Public employees. What, what does that include? Yeah. So, I mean, oh, my gosh, we have over 50 jurisdictions. So you look at city of Cleveland, city of Parma, Lakewood. And this is you're talking about your janitors or you're talking about it, it depends. The, the police or. So not the police. So we represent police at, um, at Tri-C. Okay. Uh, so it just depends on like at the city of Cleveland, we have we represent anywhere from a lifeguard to um, the folks that do um, sewer repairs and um, and do water pollution control. Mm-hmm. It just varies on, on, on the city. At the city of Parma, we don't represent um, service um, garage employees, but we do represent, you know, police clerks and building inspectors. So it just depends on uh, how many unions are at a, at a location and what work are we recognized to to um, to represent? So we're here to talk about Labor Day because Labor Day is I'm, I'm putting this out the day after. This is one of the first times that I recorded something, and the next day it's going to be coming okay. out All right. because Labor Day is going to be next week. What is Labor Day, and what does it mean to you? I know that these yeah. might be silly questions to you, might be silly questions to everybody listening, but this all is encompassing, encompassing about what is a union, what yeah. they're for. Where have we? Where were we as a country? Where were we as a labor force? And where we're going, or where we are, and where we're yeah. going? So, what does Labor Day mean mean to you? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't think it's a silly question because I think that many people have taken for granted um, what is the purpose of a union because so many people before us, you know, were able to fight for you know the forty hour work week, fight for overtime, to really push back on workplace safety. But I look at Labor Day as a time to commemorate uh, all the sacrifices that people have made before us and what we continue to fight for workers every single day. And so for me, that's what I think about Labor Day, looking at, you know, I remember when I was 16 years old uh, working in a uh, working for a grocery store and how that union helped was it me. Giant Eagle? It was not Giant Eagle because I'm from Chicago, right? Oh, so, okay, Chicago, okay. so it was Jewel. Okay, and I never heard of them. I, yeah, so it, it, it is probably um, Chicagoland's Giant Eagle. Um, and so I wanted a day off of work because I was working seven, like almost seven days a week. Um, and our contract, we, we can only work five days a week. But because I was a high school student. They took advantage of the high school of the high school kids. Hundred percent. Yeah, and 100%. so I remember looking in our break room and I saw a sign. It's like if you have an issue, call your union rep. And I called the union rep, and he was like, "What's going on?" I said, "I'm scheduled for seven days a week, uh, and I just wanted to go to Six Flags Great America with my friends on Saturday." And my boss told me I couldn't go. Mm. He said, "Well, call your boss." Let him know we're going to have a meeting. Uh, he's and we're going. He says, "Call your boss. Tell me you're going to take the day off, and the union's going to have a meeting with him to talk about why." I'm like, "Okay." So that happens, and the store manager comes to me and says, "Why did you call the union? Right? All you have to do is reach out to me and ask me, and I would have made sure we're taking care of it." But I asked for the day off, and you all told me no. Right. So I had to call the union. So then I saw the importance of a union and importance of enforcing a contract. Uh, and so that's when I look at Labor Day. I commemorate once what people have done to help me get to that contract and then what we do every single day for workers. You know, it just so happens today is the day that MLK marched on Washington, 1963. And one major thing about unions, and I don't think people really realize, is that when unions were fighting for people, they were fighting for all people. That's right. Black, white, women, so everybody could have equal pay. That's right. Unions were a big proponent of equality and the civil rights movement. Am I yeah, correct with that? You're absolutely correct. You know, when you look at, you know, Dr. King's March on Washington, I think a lot of people forget that it was the there was the March on Washington for jobs and freedom. 
right? And so, yes, it was a march on Washington, but it was about jobs, freedom, equality for um, for African Americans, equality of pay. And so, when you look at some of the largest civil rights leaders that were out there, you know, when Dr. King was there, they were fighting for workers' rights, they were fighting for LGBTQ rights, uh, and making sure that regardless of you know who you were. If you did the exact same job, you should receive the exact same pay and benefits. And that's when you try to explain that to folks is I don't care if you're a woman, I don't care if you're a man, I don't care if you're black, white, whatever. If you have the same qualifications as someone else, which are whatever the qualifications for that job, you should be paid for the exact same work depending on years of service and experience. So then I would say that unions helped bridge the gap, that pay gap that has been existing for a long time by going in there representing the people Absolutely. You know, especially in in fields that are underrepresented mm. by by people of color, by by women, you know, you know, looking at, you know, getting, you know, women to be CDL drivers. Right. You know, and so that you be a CDL driver, you can make 20 some, 20 some bucks an hour. Wait, were, were women not CDL drivers before? Well, I or? would say that, you know, it's not historically a role that women would go into. You know, some people have you know, what is their proper, you know, role or what right, have you, right. right? You know, and so you look at, you know, how do you um, help bring your family into the middle class and how do you able to sustain them? And then there are some jobs and classifications that, that pay more than others. So you look at how do you have um, diversity among that, um, th- those job classifications so that someone can build themselves out of poverty into the middle class and make sure that they get uh, you know paid the same exactly. the same benefits exactly. and so on and so forth because if it is somebody that's not in the same role or from the same demographic it's very easy to take advantage of, of said person absolutely. from a company and yep ah, interesting yeah absolutely so we owe unions quite a bit I, I say so every single day <laughs> every single day I think when people think of Labor Day and unions we think about like back in the day you have those pictures or that vision of working on say the empire state building where some dudes out there with no harness no nothing just you know welding two pieces of metal together and there was no safeties and you know probably a lot of people fell off the you know these buildings they're like this is why we need a union those are obvious right there was obvious like egregious uh practices that were there that were not in the favor of a worker and and you had no choice because it's like hey you got up there you did the job or you have no money especially if it's in the 20s or 30s if there's a depression it's like you do this or else you're starving right what are some things that you see today and this might be even the same thing it might be history repeating itself what do you see today that that are really that are things that the union really advocates for for the people where it's going like hey at one point we know that being up on this steel beam without a harness or any safety protocols that's egregious are there any things today that you're like hey this is just like no, absolutely. And it's something that's been really near and dear passion to me and is about the safety over at Jane and the Hunter. You know, we have... Uh, What's that? It's where... It's, it's, the, it's the Department of Children and Family Services. You know, we have social workers that are working in there. Right. And they are being assaulted on a daily basis. So that's safety issues we have to negotiate right. and talk about. Oh, that's that office building that w- that's being that's housing yes. kids that have no place to go. Correct. And being used as like social service or like a... a a home for a home. Them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. And so it's different kind of safety. You know, when you look at safe staffing levels, like in the hospitals, when you look at I me mean, during COVID, uh, I mean, we're still living through COVID, but when COVID first happened, you know, uh, what we did at AFSCME was that we send uh, a, de- um, a demand for effects bargaining, meaning that something has changed 
in the terms and conditions of employment, we wanted to talk about it. And so we, we sent that notice out to all of our employees to talk about COVID protocol, talk about safety, talk about staffing, making sure they're gonna have proper cleaning in there. Uh, and a lot of folks did not do that. And a lot of folks that were not part of the union didn't have that opportunity to have that collective voice to do so. Some employees even thanked me for that because they said that they were not even thinking together about a, a, a plan back in February when COVID had just, just popped off. And then we were able to work together to try to resolve issues. And so I look at that as different type of safety, even when you have folks that are, you know, um, dealing with bed bugs at CMHA, I wanna make sure they're properly trained, mm. make sure they have the proper equipment for it. And there's things that require like additional licensure or certifications to make sure people, people are being uh, compensated accurately as well. Can you go back to the the assaults that are happening with, yeah. with that situation? Just tell, just tell everybody about that situation. I know if they're listening or what, or listening to uh, Cleveland.com's podcast yeah. uh, today in Ohio or reading The Plain Dealer that they're They've been covering this quite a bit, but can you explain it one more time? Yeah, and so for, like you said before, the children who um, have no place to go are waiting for placement, um, a lot of them are housed at a county office building. And we have... Um, and, and just to be clear, this is just an office building. This is yeah. not a specialized place. This is It's a, not. Okay. I mean, they're staying in what they call a child care room, and that child care room, you know, it's like a... a I mean, I, I guess you can say a, a big, large space, and at night, I mean, it has TVs, it has chairs, and at nights they bring in cots and things of that nature, mm -hmm. right? And so we have workers that are that are in there, and they're being assaulted um, by these by the, some of these children, or the children are assaulting each other, and and it's created an environment where workers just don't feel safe. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. feel like they have like maybe a couple options. One come to work risk of being assaulted or to quit their job or well, I guess the third choice is just put their head down and try to get out of it for the day. Right. And so those are challenges that we're facing there. Uh, but we're also facing, you know, challenges at other places like at Tri-C, you know, we're looking at, you know, because of the shortage of, of uh, police staffing, you know, we are down several officers there and we want to make sure that um, everything is a, um, the campus is, is is safe for the students and for um, the faculty uh, and for and for the community as well. Seeing how Tri C is such an integral part of the community. You mentioned staffing multiple times. Like there's this down in staff when it comes to Tri C police. When it's down in staff when it comes to nurses at Metro yeah. and so on and so forth. Uh, how, how does how does a union help that? Because look, if they can't, I I, I don't know. We're, we're talking about like. Um, Cleveland police. Yeah. Uh, Justin Bibb, Mayor Justin Bibb, just put out a new. Uh, uh, I guess. Uh, policing staffing or or, or pay scale yeah. about trying to get more police to yeah. the Cleveland police. How would you, first of all, what do you see in places like Metro? I know that nurses, RNs especially, are being worked very hard. It used to be, and this is what I hear, was maybe four patients per nurse. Now it's something like seven, eight, nine, ten patients yeah. per nurse. How does a union like go into these private hospitals and say, hey, we need you to do X yeah. and, and help this out. And are, and are these staffing issues really a concern when it comes to like Metro and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, the good thing about Metro is that it's a it's a public hospital. Okay. Um, and so why we've been um, unionized there for well over, you know, 50, 60 years. And so I look at it as this way is that when I have an opportunity to talk about things that affects, you know, terms and condition of employment, uh, the employer has to have that conversation with me. Uh, but we also look at how we work together. You know, one thing that every 
you know, I won't say every, but most contracts have in there is uh, what we call an LMC, a labor management committee meeting, mm-hmm. where we come together and solve problems. So at one of the employers we had, we saw they had a hard time recruiting and retaining staff. So we looked at, let's look at the job description. Let's look at what the criteria are for the job and what's really necessary. But let's look at raising the pay as well. You know, when you look at some classifications, you look at a lot of employers, they want to come in and just give a signing bonus to get people in the door. But what happens to people who are already there? We have to do retention bonuses and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. You can't just raise the pay on the low on, on the on the on the entry level. Right. And not for the people in the middle at the top of their because you want you want to make sure that the people who have that experience stay there. Right, right. You bring up a really good point there. It's like um but but sometimes when when you sign up for a job, the terms of terms of your work weren't even thought about. For example, like a nurse, they never thought, I bet when they started, that they'll go from four patients per nurse to eight to nine to yeah. ten, and it keeps going up. It, when do you think that somebody should try to unionize? When do you think that uh, the people should start organizing? And when do you think that conversation should happen be- between you know your fr- fellow coworkers? When you think that hey, things are getting egregious, yeah. or things are going to a point where it's like. This is not what I signed up for, even though they, they didn't, that wasn't even spoken about, but this is not what I signed up for, or at least what I think I didn't sign up for. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone has a different point in when they want to organize. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm a firm believer that who all want to organize should be able to organize. But what I've seen historically is that people try to organize when they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. When it comes down to maybe new management, new leadership, a total change in policy and procedures. Is that too late? It's not too late. You know, I'll give you an example. And so we had a group that were, that were they were union for about 20 or so years. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided that because they were comfortable with everything they had, uh, they no longer needed a union anymore. Mm. They had the same executive director uh, who, who, even though they were no longer a union, uh, kept in place all the terms and conditions in their contract. They got a new executive director and when he came in, he made sweeping changes. Right. And they were like, wow, we really need a union again. Right. And so we were able to come in there and some things make the status quo of what it was before. And then other things, look at how do we improve the terms and conditions of employment for these folks? And they've received not only some of um, the best increases in pay, but it was equity in pay too. We saw when you had people that were working the same amount of time, there were 10 different ten different salaries there. Hmm. Now, if you have the minimum qualifications and you have the same skill and ability, why is it that people are being paid so vastly different? Right. And so what they saw was that, wow, this is an opportunity for us to have a collective voice because we cannot individually go talk to our boss, but if we come together, it is greater strength in numbers. Why, why did they get rid of the union? Is it because they didn't want to save that those union dues and they're like, hey, everything's fine. It's been fine for 25 years. I want to save that whatever it was every month. Yeah. I, um, what, I, what I've gathered from them, it had nothing to do about the money. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that they didn't have any real issues they didn't think of. Uh, everything, I mean, the executive director was there, was someone who was there for, you know, 20 plus years. Everyone was very comfortable. And they didn't understand the benefit of being part of a union until the change in leadership occurred. Right. And so once they saw, whoa, we were very lucky that we've had all these protections that we had to negotiate. Now they're taking away from us. We had to go back and fight and get them again. Huh. Interesting. Should we have more unions? What do you mean? Like, uh, like create additional unions or more places who are unionized? 
both, I guess. I, I mean, mean, there that's, are. That's a good question. I mean, there, so there are tons of of unions. I mean, I guess if someone doesn't see one that that fit them, sure. Um, that's a good. That's a good point. Okay, let's, let's let's divide this. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of unions out there. How? how why and how would it would uh, I guess, employees that are wanting to organize, how would they fit find a union that would fit them? And what's the differences between the unions? Yeah. So, I mean, I believe at the end of the day, almost every union has the exact same, you know, values of fighting for their members, you know, making sure that you have a collective voice uh, and making sure that you can, you know, enforce your contract. And when it comes down to terms and condition of employment, that you're fighting for that. But I think different unions have maybe different expertise in the you know, in the private sector, you know, you have some of the construction trade unions. You have some unions that are, you know, more geared towards um, hospital workers. You have some that are geared more towards, you know, you know, teachers, right? And so, for some folks, it's a, it's a natural fit. Uh, okay, so just I'll, because the unions are expert, more expert at a certain profession and can negotiate differently, and and have the 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 experience has the expertise. You know, I mean, there are, I mean, because we represent 6,000 workers throughout Cuyahoga County and a few of the surrounding counties, when it comes down to certain topics and issues, you know, we will have expertise on that because we do this, our members do the work every day and we're there helping them, um, I guess, resolve some of the challenges they have on the job site. Mm -hmm. And so for some issues that, you know, I may have to get brushed up on, but if we already have five or 10 groups like that, it makes it a little bit easier. If it's a new group to us, um, we're making sure that we're hitting the ground running, learning as much as we can before we start to unionize them so that once we're there, we can be experts right along there with them. Should, now to the second part of that question, yeah. should, should more places be unionized? It depends. It depends. You know, uh, one of my friends, he owns uh, a store. And every time I walk in, he's like, oh, gosh, I got to watch out. Mark, he's going to unionize my employees. <laughs> and like I told him is that, are your employees happy? He was like, yeah. I'm like, do you pay them a fair and decent wage? Well, yeah. Do you work with them on A, B, and C? Well, yeah. Do you do this? Yes. Well, maybe for your employees, that, that may not be the, the rationale for them to unionize here. Uh, maybe for another place, there is. So I think it just depends. It depends. You know, uh, I think a lot of folks, you know, especially um, folks uh, who have not ha grew up in a union household or do not know anyone that's in a union or who already have the benefits that's been negotiated for them to understand the purpose of it. But if you took it all away from them, they would understand quick and fast why the importance of that union is necessary. Is there a time when unions go too far? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I will say is that, you know, let me, let me, let me, let me frame this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me frame yeah, yeah. this really quick. Cause my, my, my instant reaction is nope. We don't, we, sometimes we don't go far enough. Right. Okay, no, and, <laughs> and that's, and that's sometimes too. Okay. So yeah. I have two things that are in my mind. Yeah. Uh, obviously the, the Irishman, right? The movie, the Irishman, <laughs> yeah. you had Hoffa and so on and so forth. It became a very powerful person because of, because of the unions and the labor was behind him. Could, yeah. Very politically powerful. Very, um, had a lot of money behind him as yeah. well. Uh, that was a big power block. And then it could have been kind of corrupted in some way or another. I'm not saying that he was or, or the whole union was. I was saying that it could be. Uh, also, sometimes unions maybe don't act in the benefit of the people. Like maybe they sell pensions. Maybe they, they get, you know, um, the wrong leadership. The leadership gets, uh, you know, worn down by the corporations or CEOs or something like that that are trying to union bust and so, so on and so forth. Uh, we've, we've heard about that. I think the airlines went through something like that as well. So, so I guess there's two questions. Number one, does the unions like 
maybe go too far sometimes and two are, are, are there bad unions that maybe just don't act in the benefit of their union members yeah so um do union the unions go too far um, could they not could do they, they but oh, could, could they? they yeah um sure i mean anyone can go too far okay. right you know i mean an employer can go too far and that's why we have a union to help step right, in so right. could they yes you know um I think that, again, anyone can. But I think that also when you talk about, you know, good and bad leadership, you know, I can't speak for every union, but I can't speak for ours. You know, we elect our leaders, you know, from the from the bottom up. Right. So if, if there's something that people are doing that uh, the members don't like or the members thought someone has gone too far, they have an opportunity to elect or um, or elect someone or run for, run for themselves. Right. We look at how to. You know, make it as grassroots as possible to get folks in the ground understanding what on what goes on. At the end of the day, I think that um, you know most union leaders um, think about what's what can they do for the best interest of their members, mm-hmm. right? And maybe not everyone may agree with what the tactic is, but I think overall the intent is there of best representing your members, right? Mm, mm. You know, I may disagree with someone's tactic, but I know what their intent is, okay. right? And some people may think the same thing about me that may say, well, Marquise, you know, doing this picket may not be the best thing. But for me, it is because enough is enough and we have to elevate to the next level. Um, so again, there are times when I thought maybe that wasn't the best ideal, but again, not my members, not my situation. I don't have to deal with those issues that that union is dealing with. So who am I to judge you know, if by them putting pressure on the boss or what they're doing is too much. Mm-hmm. I think it's up for me to decide. And what was the second part of that? The second part of that was, is there unions that act in not the best interest of their union members or maybe get um, uh, worn away by, you know, union busting or CEOs or, or things like that? I, I guess I, I was looking at things like when I was on the campaign trail, I was talking to some people that were part of the airlines. Yeah. Their unions, either their flight attendants or whatever, and their unions either fell apart or did things that did not benefit them in the yeah. long run. Um, I know that there was a UAW leadership change the past year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know when I was talking to a lot of people, now again, I I'm not going to comment on their leadership change or who was there because I haven't looked into it, but yeah. I know there was a lot of concern. Uh, from members that is this the best leadership to make sure this union stays intact moving forward yeah. so it, it, when it comes to unions is there times where there are maybe i don't know moles in there or times where they don't act in the best interest or time that it's just you know the lesser of evils well i mean i, I guess that's a question for the members right i'm on the staff side right right um and so i mean we i have seen and sometimes that you may not have uh the most effective you know leaders you know, but at the end of the day, they were elected by the people. Just like, you know, what happens if you have a mayor or a council person or a member of Congress mm, that you may mm, not agree mm. with or don't like what they're doing, you know, when is the time that they get out of office? Right. You know, when when they run for reelection or you run against them. You know, and so I mean I mean, so there are some times when people you know, and, it, and it's not just unions, it's anywhere. Maybe they'll put themselves before the people. You know, and that's when you can have some challenges. You know, at the end of the day, I can't speak for every other union leader. I can speak for myself is that at the end of the day, I try to figure out what's in the best interest of my members. And from that, I try to dictate my next move and my next actions. Is the right to work union busting? 
Absolutely it is. Absolutely <laughs> it is. Okay, you know? so explain right to work really yeah, quick. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's so like... It sounds know, good. It sounds great. Oh, it's right to work. I but, have a right to work. Right, right, right. You know, and but then you look at what does it mean? It means that you can't collectively bargain over terms and condition of employment. It shows that in right to work states, most of those wages are much lower than, you know, states that can collectively bargain. When you look at right to work states, you see states that have more safety issues there because you're not negotiating over the safety... Uh, conditions that are there. I don't understand why so many people are afraid of workers. You know, we had something like that, you know, um, what, 10, 12 years ago with Senate Bill 5, where they wanted to take away uh, collective bargaining rights here in Ohio of public employees and essentially make us a right to work state, mm. right? At the end of the day, whether you like a contract or not, and which is what I was telling people in the campaign trail during Senate Bill 5, both sides have to agree upon that contract. Right. So if someone doesn't like X in the contract, management agree with it, the union agree with it, and that's how we have a contract, right? And so, yeah, it sounds good, but it's not. It's not, you know, and you look at the states that have, you know, you know, right to work, they're usually other states that, you know, are in the bottom of most things when it comes to healthcare, when it comes into education, it comes into, you know, um, you know, to poverty. Uh, and it's like, I look at, you know, being able to unionize can help change some of those conditions of those employees and maybe even change the condition of the state to make it more welcoming for business. Okay, so let me go back to the yeah. definition or actually the, the practice of right to work. Yeah. This is how I understand yeah. it, right? Uh, X place or uh, unionizes, organizes, right? They have a union in place. I want. I have a right to work. I can apply for the job. I don't have to join their union. I don't have to pay the dues, but I can still ha- can get a uh, job at the, the place. Is that correct? So it depends on what the state law says there. Like in Iowa, um, their right to work is. Oh, a, see, this is what we're talking about experience right here. This dude came into Iowa. I don't know about Iowa, bro. Well, I'm, just, I'm just saying. So, like, because Ohio's not a right to work state, right? Right. And so you look at, you know, you limit what you can negotiate over. You can't negotiate, I believe, a wage. It's just, it's just health care, right? Or maybe it's just it's just one item. So it limits what you can negotiate That's over. That's interesting. So, the, right? so wait, Iowa, that you cannot negotiate over health care. I believe it's healthcare, uh, but that's interesting. Yeah, so I mean, so it depends on what the state legislature would set up right to work. Well, because they want to be able to control themselves. You look at it. So I, I, I know someone who's a teacher in Iowa, um, and they're, you know, they're making probably half as much as a teacher here in Ohio, hmm. right? And so when you look at that, is like, well, how do you are going to recruit, recruit and retain these folks? When you can't do that, or there, if there's issues or challenges that come, you can't have that conversation. So when it comes down to, um, you know, because in, in, so it's different in the public sector and the private sector. Right. In the public sector, every single, you know, employee uh, has a constitutional right if they want to be part of a union or not. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, and you also have a right if you want to pay dues or not. And the private sector is a little bit different because you have, um, it's if, if it's a, if it's a closed shop, if it's a closed shop, you know, it's a unionized place of employment, and so you pay for not, so you pay to be a member. If you don't want to be a member, you pay what we call an agency fee. It's for your fair share because at the end of the day, you know, whether you want to be part of the union or not, we're still negotiating that contract for you. You're still getting the conditions of that contract. Right. We're still representing you. Right. right. So you need to pay for your fair share. And essentially, to be blunt, honest, not be a freeloader. Right. 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 You know, if someone is coming living in your house and they're eating your food, they, you know, they're using your water, your heat. But you they know, don't want to contribute. They right. don't want to do 
the right? dishes. Exactly. They don't want them on the lawn. Exactly. exactly. That's not right. That's not, not gonna fair. Pay. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Right. So, so again, it, it is sort of like that. It's basically you guys did the work. The unions did the work. Uh, they negotiated contracts. People come in. They don't want to take part and be part of that organization. Or, or, Which is but, fine. They, but they want the benefits. Right. Right. And we're saying that you don't have to. You, I mean, you, you can be an agency fee payer, and you just pay for that portion um, of the of of the of the union benefit that goes towards representation mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. which which is which is fair you know uh, i believe it's fair right because at the end of the day whether an employee uh, is a union member or non union member i have a fair duty of representation and I have to represent you uh, and make sure that I negotiate what's in the best terms and conditions for every employee, not just the ones who sign a membership card. The PRO Act. Yeah. The PRO Act is something that is being pushed forward to make sure that workers, the workers first and people have the right to unionize. Can you tell me a little bit about this PRO Act? Yeah. And so with the PRO Act, you know, it restores the right for workers to be able to freely, you know, form a union. Um, negotiate um, a, a contract without the coercion of of, of 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 the employer. And this is a federal act. This is a federal level. It will it, be federal, but I mean, and it's trying to trickle down to all exactly, these exactly. Exactly. And there's there there is twenty seven right to work states right now. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. So it's trying to. This is a, a, a movement from a federal level to say, hey, guys, this right to work shit is is no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, and it makes sense. Like, if you can show that, you know, you have the majority of the workers there that want to unionize, it's it's for a reason, right? Um, folks do not. I mean, it is not easy to want to organize your workers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and so when people want to organize their workers, people should listen. Listen to what's going on. If management listened to their workers. Um, they will saw, see that they can solve a lot of problems in the workplace. The PRO Act has been on the table or in, in some shape or form for quite some time, if, I, if I'm correct, it's like since 2017. I don't know the exact time, but it's been in there for a while. So, look, Democrats, and I'm not, this is not a diss on Democrats, it's not a diss on anybody really, but there's, there's Democrats and Republicans. We've been pushing this forward. We've always said worker first, but this has not been brought to fruition yet. What the hell is the problem? If people are really pro-union yeah. and pro-workers first, why the hell is this still dragging its feet across? Like, yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, you know, are they pro-worker? You know, ooh, I, ooh, you know, I mean, I'll, straight to the jugular there. Yeah, huh? man, I mean, are you really pro-worker? Yeah, that's right. And I have that conversation with elected officials all the time mm. because for me, I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, or an Independent. I care about. Do you care about workers? And are you going to do what you say you're going to do? Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you care about workers and you want to come to us and ask us for contributions, you should be able to, at the very least, do something that can help strengthen the people that you're coming to talk to every single day. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is, you know, one is passing a pro act. You know, I don't know, you know, um, well, one, I mean, when you when you can filibuster everything, you know, in the Senate uh, or at least threaten a filibuster that already lets you know. Uh, that it's going to be um, hard to get something passed. You probably can't get 60 senators on board, you know, to figure out what to have for lunch, let alone to pass something that's as sweeping as this uh, to make sure you should secure the the rights of workers. You know, but for me, I mean, if, if there are people who claim they are, you know, care about workers and they're on the fence and they're voting, you know, they have voted no or remaining silent on this one, 
that's my question to them is, you know, do you really care about workers? Would you accept the passage of the PRO Act if there was like a line item veto with some of the things in there and say, say if the House or the Senate said, eh, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do this, but then we'll pass it. Would you, would, would that be a compromise? I mean... I'm just wondering if, if if part of it is that it is a very sweeping, like you said, sweeping. It is sweeping legislation. Yeah. Do you, do, would you accept it if like some of it was taken out or you think everything is necessary? I guess it depends on what's taken out, right? And so. Of course, obviously. Right? Right. You know, and so, I mean, in some, in some I instances. I should have said that. Right, but in some instances <laughs> you can't let you know, perfect to be the enemy of the good, right? Right. And so if I went into every single meeting with an employer or with a, an elected officials, like if I don't get everything I want, I'm taking, you know, my, my bag and I'm leaving, I'm going to be a pretty angry person right. every single day. Right. But you look at how do you build incremental change. So I guess it depends. Like if they've taken out parts that makes it ineffective and it's contrary to why it exists, then wh- why, 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 do we, why are you going to do it? Right. If they do it just for, you know, get claps and say we did something, you know. And so I guess to me, it depends on, you know, what is being taken out. So, I mean, one of the biggest arguments is that there's a lot of things. To, it should be up to the state. It should be up to the state. So this is going to take away the labor laws from the state. This is already, you know, um, this was already decided by the state legislature. Does the federal government, should the federal government be passing legislation to take away that power from the states? I think in something of this to ensure the rights of workers, you know, I think that this is where you have to have leadership from the federal level down. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're not telling you what you have to negotiate over. They're not telling you what you have to do. They're just saying that if people want to organize in your state, you should allow them to do so. And then you should allow them to be able to do it without, you know, a fear of reprisal. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't see it as them telling them what to do. I mean, there there are I mean, the reason why we had such such issues before is because why we see issues now is that, you know, you you know what you said with have unions change. You know, we're looking at what, what was happening, you know, you know, you know, um, dozens and dozens of years ago, which how labor laws creeping back up in other parts of the state mostly right to work states, right? Mm. Where you have kids working in meatpacking uh, uh, plants. Dude, that was absolutely interesting that a lot of these states are moving and changing child labor laws to try to fill the gap of employment. Absolutely. And and I don't remember, but a lot of the breadbasket states were saying like, hey, now they can work third shift. Yeah. And, like, ha- and they're fifteen, right? It's fourteen, and then you have to go to then you have to go to class the next morning, or or you're sleeping during class, and you're not able to, you know, to be effective in class, right? Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't understand I, it either, right? And, and so, then, I understand that there's a labor shortage for some of these jobs right now, but now they're trying to push it on like and and here's what it does is it affects it affects families of, of poor families, yeah, because it's like hey, if my kid can go to work and put, maybe make a little bit more the third shift, and we can pay bills a little better, they're gonna do it. It's yeah. like hey, man, you got to. I'm sorry, you got you got to chip in, yeah. You know, if you if you if you're a millionaire family, you're like, nah, nah, he's gonna go to private school. He's gonna do. He's yeah. not going to work. No, right? <laughs> no, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, this is just the weirdest legislation. Yeah, yeah, that's why I think you need leadership from the national level, mm. right? Because um, you shouldn't solve your worker shortage or crisis problem by putting kids to work. By putting kids to work, <laughs> right? It seems like wow, wasn't this going on like in the the fifties and right? You know, when you right. had the the rise of like maybe the third of households were were unionized. Well, now it's like maybe ten percent, mm. right? And so you look at it as is that you know you need some basic basic. Well, here here is the floor, 
right? Right. And then once you, if you want to enhance um, more protections for workers, you know, then you can continue increasing increasing it. But like every single worker should have the basic dignity and the basic principle that if they want to organize in their workplace, if they want to organize in their workplace, they should be able to do so. All right. So last question. Uh-oh. How are you spending your Labor Day? Um, how am I spending my Labor Day? Um, probably do it to work, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm gonna oh. probably take a little time, you know, to to grill out. You know, I probably go to a parade, right? You know, but for me, you know, I I am I very proudly on many days, but especially on Labor Day, you know, have on my union shirt and mm-hmm. and engage in that conversation about unions with folks. Um, I'm very relaxing, you know, maybe at a parade, you know, grilling out. Uh, maybe having some bourbon and a cigar, yep. you know. <laughs> you, do, you do like your bourbon. I do like my bourbon and my cigars, right? Uh, and just, you know, remember and think about, you know, how far we've come, but not get comfortable with it because I know we still have a lot of work to do. Okay. And I lied about that last question. This is the last question. All right. What what advice would you give to somebody, no matter the profession, Yeah. if they think that they could benefit from a union, what advice would you give them? What I would tell them to do is to one, uh, talk to your coworkers. You know, you don't talk to everyone, but get a get a, a core group of a few folks. You know, because if you're frustrated and angry, and probably other people are as well. Mm. And then talk to some, maybe talk to some friends uh, that are part of a part of a union to understand. You know, what are possibly the differences. But I would say then, then try to find a union to reach out to. Right? You know, if you you know don't know if it's the right union. Uh, they can help guide you in the right direction. But I think at the end of the day, first talk to a few people because I think the, the biggest thing is that you're not alone. And then don't just stop there, but continue to figure out how do you you know build upon you know that willingness for change. And then the next thing is how do you implement it? Marquise, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you for listening to the Cuyahoga County Democratic Party's podcast, Cuyahoga Today. Tune in next week for our latest show, and find out all of the latest information that's happening right here in your community. Show your support by going to www.cuydem.com and make a contribution. Do you have any questions about the show? Is there a topic you want us to cover? Or is there someone you want us to interview? If so, you can reach out to me at M-D-I-E-M-E-R at C-U-Y-D-E-M.com. That's M-Deemer at Kydem.com. Thank you again for joining our podcast. Until next week.